to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me here, we have Freddy. Spoop Nation. Spoop Nation. Also known as Nighty Knight. And finally, the man, the myth, the legend, David. Woo! Officially back. The horror the horror version has returned. Uh, that he uh. has. That he has. Welcome back, sir. We missed you, man. I'm glad yeah. you're back. <laughs> Thank you. I've, as you guys know, I've missed you too, and I'm so happy to be back. I'm feeling really refreshed and ready, ready to get into nice, it. Man. Oh, yeah. Well, we're happy to have you back. Glad to have you back. School's back. done for now. Well, sort of. Yep. I guess like little things are done with school, but you'll be back. <laughs> I'll be also back. known as Nightly. We're a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's like with the what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now... Continuing things over with our toxic relationship. Well, actually, not continuing things. This is the first one. Um, mm-hmm. Made that little oopsie whoopsie. <laughs> but can make it, kicking things off with the, the whole toxic relationships month. I'm ex- super excited for this month. It's a, I know, a touchy subject for some, but it's an important subject for all. But this, you know, birds are chirping. It's February. You know, Valentine's Day is a thing. I don't know if anyone celebrates that or not anymore, but that's a thing, you know. I do. Oh, good. Good. I'm a sad. Well, as well this is for you, <laughs> David. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, this is our Toxic Relationship Month, and we are going to be kicking things off with Unsane. First and foremost, David, thoughts. Because I'm sorry with you, David, because I, oh, I know yeah. you in particular. You haven't been here in a while. So we need uh-huh. to hear you talk. We want to hear your voice. <laughs> Fuck this. Movie. Oh no. And I mean that. I mean that as a compliment. <gasps> okay. Yeah. I think this is a great yes. film. I did not enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to give its credit. And the reason why I'm saying, you know, I didn't enjoy this film is because it's tense. It's suspenseful. And yeah. it makes you question your sanity. Mm. And that's its purpose, right? Um it makes the audience uh, member question what's reality and what may be mental illness. And it doesn't give you answers, but that's the entire point. It wants you to be confused. It wants you to be concerned if what's happening is actually happening. Right. And it's because it wants you to relate to Sawyer, right? Um, I think this film, we've talked about it before, Um and I believe the house of the devil is the last time we really honed in on this, but great cinematography with the stalker shots, right? Oh yeah. It really does a good job of focusing on Sawyer mm-hmm. from a far perspective of seeming like she's being watched. And uh, for those that can catch it, I'm sure they could really appreciate that. Um, but not only with that, when you're in the facility, right? The, the aspect ratio, the lens that's being used here. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into trivia of how this was shot later. Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's 
it seems off, right? But not so much so that it's obvious. I think it's, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's a reflection of our our protagonist's mental state, I think, um, where something seems off, but we're just not sure what. So I got to give it a big props to the cinematography in here. And uh, although it made me feel gross and on edge, uh, it got the job done. I I think it's a great film. Not a film for me. It's not a, it's not a Davy film, but I think it's really great. That's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's no ghosties in here, but uh, yeah, I love I love me some. Gotta, gotta have some ghosties with some toasties. Freddie, what about you, my man? All right, man. Okay, so this is the first time I've seen this movie, uh, but I have heard about this. Oh, movie, I thought I sure. thought you've seen this. No, so that's the thing. Oh okay, shit. And I, okay, and I'm not gonna spoil the main fun facts about this movie and how it's shot because that's actually how I learned about this movie in general. I yeah. I learned what they used to make this movie, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's fucking insane!" Uh, that's something insane, <laughs> insane, <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, the way it's shot, and we'll talk about like what tool they used to make this movie. But that's the main reason why I heard about this movie. It was in the news. It's like, oh, this is something that can get a lot of creatives to start making films and use what they have and stuff like that, which yeah. I really really like about this movie. And they did an incredible job. They did great storytelling. There was great acting. Um, is it an original story itself? No, I've seen a lot of movies and TV shows that have this, oh, I'm innocent, but they think I'm crazy, so I'm in a psych ward. I need to escape. Uh, we've seen it before, but this is done so well, and I think it has great tension, and it builds that suspense so easily. And there's moments where there's like no score at all as well, which is very interesting, but also keeps it very grounded. And, of course, because of how it's filmed, it feels like it's even more realistic. But I have to say, Claire Foy absolutely smashed it in this role. She was so good. So good. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't know it was her at first. And I was like, oh, I recognize her from other movies. Yeah, from The Crown, too. Oh, yeah, from The Crown. Which is very interesting because she got on, like, lower pay than everyone else. And she's, like, the main character in that, apparently. Which, that blows my mind, too. Which is crazy yeah um but she deserves a lot of recognition and i feel like she's gonna continue knocking it out of the park with other movies but yeah i gotta say this movie i loved it was cool it definitely gave me my creative spark again of maybe i should start filming stuff again but yeah that's just me i have to agree with you freddie um i think the story has been done before and to kind of go back on what i was saying about how this is is not a davy film right i it tackles a lot of things that make me uncomfortable mm-hmm. um you know uh a female being stalked being gaslit um also someone being forcefully put i mean w- so we think into um an estate that they don't belong in and yeah. no one is really believing her and her claims it's it's very disturbing um but i think that's that's so well done here because it actually has you caring for a lot of characters. And when you experience loss in this, it's, it's, uh, it hurts. It stings. Right. And, uh, I think more, it feels almost more so than our main character. Um, it's kind of crazy to, to experience that, but yeah, it's been done before, but I think this is still worth the watch, even though, you know, we've films have gone about that, I'm not supposed to be here trope, but I, th- I think it's really well done. I agree. Yeah. I love this movie <laughs> as you all yeah. probably already know. Um, no, this movie is actually really, really cool. I 
love the way it's shot. It's very odd. It's very jarring. It's very unique, I guess, the way it's also shot. It, it's just it's just a really well done film. And there are moments in there that are a little cliche and a little cheesy, but at the same time, it works in its favor. But yeah, th- this movie just, the fact that one, you get Claire Fo- uh, Foy in this as well, and you, you actually do get a sense of the dread that kind of surrounds her character while being pretty much stalked by by David. And it, it's interesting that we watch these movies and like some of the villains are David. It's just like David's so nice. Yes. It's just like... <laughs> I when I saw I saw David's name in the film, I was like, "Oh no, not again!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, but it's it's super interesting just how all of this kind of pieces itself together for this particular film. Um, my microphone is still coming really hot, so my apologies if I'm too loud, everybody. But yeah, uh, I tried turning it down and it's like down almost all the way. So hopefully it's not too bad for everyone. But um, with that being said, like there are just a bunch of different types of, I guess, fun tropes that you get throughout this movie that makes her character feel that kind of dread throughout. I mean, especially when when uh, Juno Temple's character, Violet, is introduced and she uses her to her advantage like let's not forget yeah the shit that's happened to Sawyer is horrible but Sawyer's a fucking terrible person like she's not a good person she doesn't deserve what's happening to her but at the same time she's not a good person at all like she's totally out for herself and herself only doesn't care who gets in her way and uh, (laughs) like it's just ah god damn it It, it, it's it's so much because I totally it, I totally agree with you. You don't really root for her, but right. at the same time, I reflect about how I would be in that situation. Yeah. I don't think I would start bad-mouthing everyone, but I would probably start acting a fool because I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here, right? Yeah. And um, it's kind of like a state of panic, but I think it's very interesting because I think throughout the film, you see Sawyer kind of flip-flop between like, oh yeah, this is just what's happening and I'm going along with it and then moments of freak out and then it, it, it makes you really question if she is mentally stable or yeah. not. Um, it's interesting. And that's what I right. actually really appreciate this film doing. You just don't know. And I, yeah. I took that as like a, a metaphor of like what the position of her relationship with David is, is that even after you run away, you try to make a whole new life of yourself, you still feel trapped in a way in that relationship, kind of like she's trapped in that psych ward where she's on the breakdown of, yes, I can hold it together and deal with it or I'm breaking down and I don't know how to deal with it itself. So I kind of had that like contrast in a way of like what the relationship looks like in physical form, which is her being stuck there. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. No, it does. That's a really great analogy. That makes a lot of sense. But let's go ahead and jump into the plot so we can really dive deep in this. Unsane, directed by Steve Soderbergh, released on March 23rd of 2018, a runtime of one hour and 38 minutes and a budget of $1.5 million, which, wow, uh, and a yeah. box office of $14.3 million with a rating of 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. Not bad. Not, not bad Freddie, at all. Uh, Freddie mentioned it earlier, but I really remember, and it 
it started happening after I started watching the mm-hmm. film. I was like, oh, I remember this film. I remember seeing trailers for this everywhere, and everyone was talking about it back in 2018. Yeah, this this movie was like a big deal. Uh, it, yeah. And it, it was kind of surprising that it was a big deal. But yeah, it was definitely a big deal when this uh, when this kind of got when this came out, I guess. Yeah. Um, but that's how I heard about it. They had like a really good marketing campaign for this movie. Like they did for like Paranormal Activity. It kind of reminded me of that. It's like mm-hmm. you got to watch this movie because we did this to make it happen. And I was like, oh, cool. It's a great concept. Right. Never got around to watching it until now, but I'm glad <laughs> I did. Yeah, I never watched it until. I seen it on like Amazon or something like that. Right. We open to the camera panning around in a forest while the disembodied voice of a man monologues, quote, I love it when you wear blue. I mean, I love you in anything, but you wore blue that first time that I saw you. So anytime I see you in blue, it reminds me of how I felt at that moment, how I never really knew what being alive was until I saw you. You unlocked something inside me that day, something I didn't even realize was there. And right then, I knew that nothing in my life was ever going to be the same. In that moment, I was transformed permanently. You did that. End quote. We cut immediately to the title in our protagonist, Sawyer, walking walking on the street in slow motion. Just love how these stalker shots are pretty much throughout the film. Right. Which is very fascinating. Cut to Sawyer at work, having a, ne- a negative conversation with a customer over the phone and then hanging up to them. Her coworker, Jill, is staring at her and she asks Jill what? She's <laughs> like super rude to Jill. <laughs> She's, she tells Sawyer nothing and tries to joke with her, but Sawyer corrects her with a stone face. Sawyer notices a man leaving out of the office and she has a look of concern, but goes back to her computer before getting up from her desk. Um, and right off the bat, like, you don't understand what's truly going on. Like you, if you go into this movie blind, like you don't know, like what the initial process is of her having a stalker until she's truly inside the facility, which is, I I like that. I like that. We don't know. I agree with you. I think it's fascinating because in this moment, Sawyer looks confused and kind of thrown off, but so are we, we're asking, Wait, did something already happen that we're supposed to know? Exactly. About? Like, why um, is she looking at that guy? Kinda, Who's that guy? Yeah, we're just on like kind of the same mental note as she is throughout the film, and I I really appreciate that. I agree. She knocks on her boss's door. He greets her, telling her to have a seat. He starts talking to her about a report and how uh, it's uh, faultless. Um, continuing that she is very good at as he hoped he would be. Adding that she is doing, she is going to do really well there. Smiling but slightly standoffish, she tells him that she is going to try. He tells Sawyer about the ABA conference in the last week of September in New Orleans, telling her that they should go. And in it's already kind of creepy. So like we could kind of get yeah. like how people see Sawyer, right? right. Or how men, I yeah. guess, see Sawyer. But I think it's cool that she's, uh, she seems like a type of person that already has like defense mechanisms set up to successfully like kind of back off men that are unwarranted. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of shows how she is right off the bat. That's true. Yeah, no, I definitely see that. Um, she tells him that she thinks he needs a little bit more. She needs a little bit more experience being an absolute dog. He tells her that he can help with that with a smile. She quickly tells him that she thinks she could get back to work and, or she she thinks she should get back to work and a lot. And he allows her to do so standing up with his arms on his hips and a huge uncomfortable smile on his face. 
it's gross. Checking her right, out, creepy too. dude. Oh, it's yeah. gross. He's so creepy. He's so creepy. Sora's outside eating while uh, talking on the phone to her mom about how work how work is in uh, the new change of scenery. She lies to her mom about uh, about work and her relationships, letting her mom know that she couldn't be happier. She hangs up with her mom, dropping her fake smile, knowing that she misses them and home, and then walks back into her office. Cut to Sora going to the restaurant to meet an internet date named Mark. Um, she is waiting at the bar for a moment and then, then sees him across the bar. Mark waves, waves her over, Sawyer showing her phone for a confirmation, and he confirms. Taking shots with him, Mark compliments her uh, her name on it being sexy. She cracks a dark joke about her being uh, about her being named after her dead grandfather who died of eye cancer. She nervously laughs at her joke, calling it dark. Her responding with "Hail Satan," and I love how a smile just <laughs> it's gone. Like he's just like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, it's so it's just it's so funny. Uh, taking more sips, Sora tells him uh, uh, calls him by the wrong name, sharing. Uh, uh, sharing that tonight is going to go the way that he wants it to go. She tells him to promise her to not contact her after tonight, and he's totally fine with that. Uh, and so fine with it that he calls himself the wrong name. I think it was like Jimmy or Jerry or some shit like that. Um, Something like they're that. They're at her apartment. She gives a quick tour, then starts kissing him. While kissing him, she opens her eyes and yells out, fuck, while falling backwards. Confused, Mark frantically tells her that he thought that this is what she wanted. She ignores him, saying no, and running to the bathroom. <clears throat> Excuse me, locking the so locking pretty. the door, panting to catch her breath. I want to ask you, yeah. since this is both of our first times watching this, what was your initial thought when she did? Oh, this? I had no idea what was going on, to be honest. But of course, knowing what the okay. theme of the month was of like you know toxic relationships, I was like, oh, she probably has some sort of a past. But it was a uh, very interesting to like just jump into that situation where it's like okay i'm taking this guy home she has like a motives like she really wants to try this out and then pushes it away and i was like oh okay i'm sure i'll learn more That's but i was confused for sure so she was very confident in the book, oh for right? sure she 100%. had uh, expressed like yo this night's gonna go down exactly how you want she looked like she just That's wanted exactly to hit it and quit mm-hmm. it more so than yeah more so than him um, and when this happened, I was like, oh, she's into the little role play. All right. <laughs> um, but I was actually way off yeah. and way thrown off because, um, you know, she runs to the bathroom and closes the door and he leaves. And I thought, oh, this guy doesn't get it. But at this moment, I started questioning her mental state. Right. I was like, are, sure. we, are we dealing with bipolarism here or what's going on? Now, granted, I, I do want to claim that I am very uneducated unage- unage- when it comes to bipolarism so i don't even know if i'm saying that accurately but sure. those are kind of the vibes that i got so i thought yeah. it was interesting i think it's just interesting that we're getting a grasp of this character so quickly going into this no film. of course it, it's definitely like big storytelling moment right here in this moment in this scene specifically because it follows up directly with her in the bathroom and then she takes pills and exactly. we don't know what that is that, we don't know what her exactly uh prescription would be in this situation but yeah that would be something that's totally logical to understand to maybe make the assumption that she might have a bipolar like a bipolar disorder or something yeah and and i think it's right yeah and i think it's uh important that you brought up that you know she took medication right after that moment and we never find out what it is for all we know like that could be a very important factor to this entire story because you know she is um limited to not having her uh prescription or medication that she's taking for the rest of the movie and we don't know that 
negatively affects her. So that's true. That's crazy because yeah. like I totally forgot about her taking those pills until we just spoke about right. it right now. Yeah, so it's a, no, it's that a makes thought. total sense. Meanwhile, Mark just leaves out of her apartment. She opens her medicine cabinet and takes a pill. Cut to her in bed Googling support groups uh, for stalked victims. So we now start getting a sense of what potentially may have happened. Mm -hmm. She finds a link uh, to Highland Creek Behavioral Center. She is driving to the location uh, while she is VOing, quickly telling someone about her experience being a a stalked victim. The interviewee questions that Sora still sees her stalker everywhere. Sora chalks this up to being, being her neurosis, colliding with her imagination. She tells the counselor that she isn't rational and that she never feels safe. Asking what does she do, she, uh, where, she, where does she go, how does she live, the counselor adding that isn't much of a life. Sora agreeing it being, uh, being one that she doesn't feel like living. Slightly taken back by her response, the counselor asks if she often has thoughts like that. That's where they got her ass, right? <laughs> so it's just like, right. oh, no, Sawyer, come on, don't <laughs> yep. say that, don't say that. Um... Sawyer agreeing. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Uh, uh, da, 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 lost my spot. Um, Sawyer is confused. The counselor asking her about suicidal thoughts. She tells her that she has in the past. Counsel- the counselor asking if she ever thought how she would do it. Sawyer asks her. Ask her um, if she has ever heard of a therapeutic index. The counselor shakes her head and she tells them, "Quote: It's the ratio that measures the blood concentration of it. Of it. Of." excuse me, of a drug if a drug is toxic or when it's effective. The larger therapeutic index, the safer the drug. The smaller, the more dangerous. That's how I see myself spending my final hours testing drugs. End quote. The counselor tells her that's pretty specific and Sora cracks a joke. Laughing, the counselor hands her a form to fill out telling her that they can discuss treatment options when the paperwork is filled. She tells the counselor that she would like to schedule another session with her, complimenting her on being a good listener. Cut to her in the lobby, uh, but we hear her still asking the counselor about the form and if she uh, should read everything. Yes, you absolutely should read anything to pertain to a form. Especially mm. in that type of situation. Exactly what I thought. One hundred percent. The counselor sharing that it is up to her, but it's mostly disclosure and liability stuff. She hands the form to the front desk clerk, Dolores, and she in- instructs her to sit back down for the next steps. Sora tries to let her know that she went through uh, the next steps already. She tells Sora that it, it should just take a minute, um, so she goes to sit down. While she is sitting, while she is sitting down, looking through a magazine, two orderlies come into the building. She puts the magazine down when another orderly named Dennis tells her to follow him. She tells him that she doesn't have a lot of time and and that she should be back at work. But she follows him through the hallway. And for me, that would have been my immediately. Okay, what? The, hold hold up. Where where are we going? Like you can you can tell me my next steps right, right here. Like what are we doing? I don't need to go back there again. And this is where, yeah, this is where I I felt like she was kind of flip flopping on what was going on because at one moment yeah. she, she seems very combative and then she seems very passive and uh, agreeing to what's happening. She's like, uh, she'll put exactly. up a fight and then say, okay, let's continue, and then put up a fight and then continue. And I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Are you flip flopping? Okay with this? Or Who you knows, not? man? Who knows? Flip flopping. Yeah. I think it's a. Uh... She she's one of those types of people that doesn't like too much confrontation. So I feel like every time I don't they know. I just come back with something, it's like, oh, why am I doing this? Like, well, I that's like, true. Yeah, me too. I feel like she's I mean, very eventually. confrontational. Uh, that, yeah, I, I just I think guess. she didn't. I, I, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain. Know what she what was going on? She was just genuinely just like, 
what right. like just confused at the situation like why are you taking me back here what are you doing that's true she, she had too much faith right. in in the system right. right she's like no way they're gonna give me pills that are bad for me this is a hospital right or you know if someone's i don't know telling me to follow them like and they're it's they that complex it's that um yeah it's that authority that complex. sense of authority yeah exactly that's the what the phrase i was looking for uh People, some people will just listen That's true. just because someone's wearing a uniform or something like no, that. And definitely it's not. not a good move. Don't do drugs, kids. Um, uh, just another full disclosure, everybody. Um, <laughs> I know my audio just switched. I figured out what was going on. It was actually coming from my computer speaker. Sorry for the shitty audio in the beginning. Hopefully things sound a little bit better now. I'm back. He takes her to a sterile medical room. She asks uh, what she is doing there. He ignores the question, telling her that she needs to uh, that he needs to look through her bag. She asks him why, and he tells her that it's procedure. Once again, that kind of authoritative uh, complex there. She hands it to him, and he starts t- uh, taking out most of her belongings, placing them into a bag, then walks out of the room with her stuff. And I would have been like, "Yo, what the fuck?" <laughs> Sawyer calls out to him, but another nurse yeah. <laughs> uh, by the name of Nurse Bowles comes in, introducing herself, asking her to strip down to her underwear and remove her jewelry. Sawyer is dumbfounded. Bowles starts going over the reasons mm-hmm. behind her demands. She tells Bowles that she doesn't understand what's going on here, but she continues going over the nursing assessment being uh, being a head-to-toe skin exam. Sawyer lets her know that she has to go, trying, trying for the door, but it is locked. Bowles claims for her privacy and demands for her to take her clothes and jewelry off. Sora tells her that there isn't anything wrong with her and that she uh, she d- just needed to speak to someone, asking if the counselor told Bowles to do this. Bowles asks if she is refusing to cooperate, Sora asking what happens if she does. She tells Sora uh, that it would be better for, for everyone if she cooperates. She obliges to her commands, Bowles giving her gown uh, to put, giving her a gown to put on. Sora doing everything that she asks, ask if she can go now. Um, Bowles claims that she is upset, telling her to uh, to take some pills. Sora grabs them, asking if she takes them, can she go? She tells Sora that she would feel better. She takes them, and this whole sequence here for me is fucking scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that is hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with scary. you. Yes, especially when she like, took the pills. Oh man, like you don't know what you're taking. You don't know what you're. You like you don't know what these people are doing exactly. at this point in time. Like you should be mm-hmm. genuinely scared for your life at this point. Oh, for sure. Like, and looking at her face and her facial expressions, you can tell she's petrified of like, I think this is going yeah. the wrong way, and I know where it's going. But you know what? I'm gonna trust the system, like you guys said. And continue on because it can't right. be this, right? And then that's when she's in her gown. That's when she starts walking down the hallway. And she's like, this is exactly what I think it is. And as a viewer, the tension's yeah. really, really good. And I don't know if you guys notice, uh, once the sequence started, like, in the movie, the score yeah. finally kind of kicked in again and kind of built that suspension and tension again. And I was like, nice catch. oh, damn. It's like, I, I could see what they're trying to do. And they're executing it very professionally and very well done. I agree. And I got to give kudos to Claire, uh, Claire Foy because, yeah, yeah, you could just tell that she's just genuinely scared. She it. Uh, Bulls tells her to follow her. They are walking down the hall into a communal area. Um, Sawyer stopping, claiming that there has been some kind of mistake because now she sees that, like, okay, you're taking me where all these patients are. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) 
Yeah. Bowles confirms her name, telling her yeah. uh, by signing the telling her by signing the form she con- she consented to voluntary commitment for twenty four hours. She tells Bowles that the counselor said that those forms are routine, but Bowles reminds her that she signed it. She goes up to Bowles, softly telling her that she understands that she is doing her job, agreeing that she did sign the form and she and she is here uh, for her own good. She then asks for um, if she can have a phone call to let her family know that she is okay and where she is. Bowles tells her. Uh, that phone calls are allowed, asking her if she will, uh, wants to have the phone call now. Other patients are staring at her during this interaction while Sawyer is trying to butter the nurse up. Cut to Sawyer uh, typing in the numbers for 911, phoning for the police, Bulls staring right into her eyes when she does it. They pick it up, and Sawyer tells her that she is being held at this facility against her will, then hangs up the phone. I would have totally called my parents at that point in time, but I get it. I, I, I get like why she didn't because she doesn't like she doesn't want her mom to think that she needs help when her mom genuinely thinks that you yeah. need help Sawyer and like you you definitely should be with your family and also other stuff so she's very very well known of hiding things from her mom right yeah I think it was a smart move to call the cops but um you know c- clearly this is just right a situation where that yeah. didn't work and it, it kind of sucks, but I think it's great because um, I love when, when our horror protagonists make smart moves yeah. and it still gets shot down. Oh right? yeah. Cause it make cause you as the viewer, you're like, just do this. And if they do it, you're like, Oh, what? <laughs> that didn't work. Yeah. So I it's, love that. It's I really love good. that kind of stuff all the time. Bull shares that the cops yeah. um, uh, get calls like that every week. So you're agreeing that, uh, agreeing but that is from crazy people quote unquote she tells Sawyer to go back to the board but she tells Bowles that she isn't going anywhere until the cops show up Bowles notes that notes that on her chart Sawyer asking her to stop taking them uh, stop taking them and Bowles telling her um, to not make her ask again. We jump to the ward. Sawyer is lying on her cot with, when a patient Violet calls her Allison asking about her baby. She ignores Violet uh, causing her to throw a tampon at her. And not just any tampon, everybody. So used gross. One. She literally pulls it out and chucks it at her. So gross. Dude. <laughs> Grossed out, Sawyer out. throws it off the bed. Violet asks her if she is too good for her, continuing to call her by the wrong name. Sawyer shouts that isn't her name and tells her that she does think she is too good for her. She threatens that she is going to cut Sawyer's hair off when she is when she falls asleep. Sawyer challenges her, asking her, sorry, David, you had yeah. something? I know, right? I was just saying, damn. Like, don't even talk about my hair, dog. <laughs> like, them are fighting what? Uh, Sora challenges her, asking her um, with what, in that she doubts that they will even let her near sharp objects. Violet lifts her shirt up, showing off a sharp piece of metal, and Sora mocks her, calling her a mental patient. Another patient, Nate, across, across the room, buds in, saying that her actions isn't helpful, adding that they need to be there for each other. Sora yells to support yells to support her by not talking or looking at her, softly saying that she shouldn't be in be in there. Nate nonchalantly guesses that she got put in there by mistake. She tells him yeah and that the cops are on their way. Putting a glass on the table, he sarcastically questions her while the rest of the patients are laughing, calling her a liar. Cut to a group of cops coming uh, coming in, greeting Dolores. They ask about the call. She hands them Sora's admission form, sharing uh, sharing that second floor called them uh, called down. The other cop, Steve, goes to get some coffee while she looks at the form. And it's funny how Dolores, like, greets them. She's like, hi, Steve. 
Hi, Steve's partner. And it's just like they, <laughs> Steve's partner in her, which he's literally casted as Steve's partner. He doesn't have a name. Oh, that's how long <laughs> and he, they totally have like this like flirtation thing going on, right? Like it's so funny. Right. <laughs> Steve's partner starts um, harshly flirting with Dolores about coffee. And they're like children when that comes to their flirting. It's just like, I don't want your right. coffee anyway. Teasing. Like, you can't have my coffee. How do you like your coffee? I like my coffee with a little bit of sugar. Okay. <laughs> he throws the form back on the table and they both leave. Back in the ward, some are sleeping, taking, uh, excuse me. Back in the ward, some are sleeping, talking, throwing things, and yelling. I would not be able to survive. Violet looks over at Sawyer, mocking her about it being nice to be back home. Sawyer <laughs> ignores her, looks at the clock, and moves for the door. A patient named Jacob stands in her way, introducing himself. She tells him to move. He touches her breast, and she punches him in the stomach. She starts banging on the door for them to let her out, mentioning that she isn't supposed to be in there. She starts banging on the door again, and the orderlies burst through the door. She is shocked, hitting the man... Um, hitting the man uh, who comes into the room, but it was someone else that she saw who actually came into the room. Two other orderlies pull her back f- uh, to her bed, Bowles coming in, um, administering a drug into her arm. She, t- she tells Dennis that they don't hit them back, and if, she- and if she does it again, she goes downstairs. The drug takes effect, shaking the screen. I fucking love this. I love the score right here. Like in the beginning, it it sounds quite generic. Like when we first get the scores in this film, but this particular score right here reminded me very much of like hereditary. Like it's just, oh, it was so haunting. And it was something so sinister and malicious behind the scoring right here. Just beautiful, (laughs) beautiful. Um, But you guys know uh, that guy, Dennis, you know where he's from? He's in Spider-Man Homecoming. Hey, Spider-Man! Do a backflip! <laughs> oh, I haven't watched it. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just sorry, well, I could never see him in anything because of that movie. <laughs> and that one scene, he's <laughs> only in that scene at a hot dog stand. And he tells Spider-Man to do a backflip, and he's so stoked. Transition to Sora, uh, wake, uh, waking up Violet, looking down at her, telling everyone that Allison pissed the bed. They leave out of, they leave out into the lunchroom. Everyone is staring at her, smiling as she scowls back at them. A nurse comes up to her, asking if she would like something to eat. Sawyer uh, rudely comments, but the friendly nurse continues asking her if she's if she settled in okay. Sawyer tells her that she isn't settling in because she is going home today. She shares with Sawyer that Doctor Hawthorne wants to talk to her about that. Sawyer is stoked to finally speak with a real doctor and she gets up to, to and leaves out of the room with the nurse as everyone stares at her. With Dr. Hawthorne, or Hawthorne, excuse me, she is waiting for him uh, to get off the phone. He seems to be discussing an incident saying things like, quote, it won't happen again, end quote. And this just gives you a sense retroactively um, looking at this that, okay, they're known for fucking up here. <laughs> like they have oh, a yeah. record. Yeah. Well, this might be a individual thought of my own, um, but in the last couple, of, and maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I feel like Americans' efforts in their jobs has diminished a lot. I feel like people don't really concern yeah. themselves with work ethic or customer service. Don't get me wrong; there are plenty of people in our country that still focus on having good work ethic and. Uh, good customer service and being kind but i feel like 
um, in the last couple of years, a lot of people don't really care about doing their job well because they feel like they will not be rewarded nor punished for it. Yeah. And I feel like this film reflects that. Um, there have been, you know, uh, experiences with me and my family um, getting medical treatment and surgeries being done and the same surgery being done incorrectly multiple times um, where physical yeah. therapy needs to be done every single time. And, you know, that's just my experience, but it's, it's, it's a, Oh yeah. It sounds like you agree Prince, but I just feel like this film reflects that people don't really care about doing their job well or it's correctly. Money, and um, sometimes there are, oh, yeah. yeah, sometimes there is facilities that yeah. feel like, like this I, I'm sure multiple times when my brothers tried to get treatment for schizophrenia, like I, he's been not denied, but he's been kind of just like shooed. It, it's just like, like, Oh yeah. You, you know, yeah. Hang out in this it corner sucks. for three days because you voluntarily checked yourself in. They give him a pill or two, and that's it. It's just like the what, right? Yeah, it's like the bare minimum. Yeah, it does. I it agree. needs to be better. Right. It totally he hangs does. up, apologizing. Sawyer telling him that she can't stay here any longer because she has a job and a life that she wants to get back to. He agrees, sharing that that is their goal. She asks him, uh, "What can she do to get out of there?" With a smile, he reads her chart to her, calling a calling her a danger to herself and others, meaning more observation. She softly tells him to look at her, but uh, he doesn't until she says it harder. <laughs> She's just like, look at me. Look at me. I was like, oh, okay, I'm looking. Yeah. Uh, Sawyer mentions that she has a good support system, family, <laughs> friends, coworkers, neighbors, and the best thing for her is to be with the people she loves. She continues agreeing that she did mention that she felt down to the counselor, but chalks that up to, uh, to everyone feeling down sometimes, letting him know that she is building a new life for herself, going over the things that she does and plans to do. Dr. Hawthorne le leans back in his chair, actually listening, but then his cell phone buzzes, and when he checks it his attention officially turns back he goes back to the chart telling her that, uh, that she assaulted a staff member she claims that he looked like someone she knew he rebuttals saying that she attacked him she disagrees saying that she was under a lot of stress and the police were supposed to come but he ignores her continuing continuing reading about her assaulting jacob um she tells him no and and is about to say uh, what he did to her, but instead she tells him that she had a rough night. Dr. Hawthorne shares that be um, that because of her acts of violence, she will have to be there for another seven days. Surprise! But he cuts her off again, t um, taking another phone call, telling her to be continued. Damn, just like that too, just to be continued. Okay. <sighs> Cut to right. Sora scowling at the group in their meeting. Nate looks back at an orderly. She is on her phone and he sarcastically shouts that he will take it from here. He gets up from his chair beginning the meeting by going over the Highland Creek rules book. He tells them 10 minutes max on the phone. No smuggling food or drinks. No touching other patients but masturbating in their hair is fine. And he's joking. Right. Seeing if it catches uh, um, Haley's attention. But um, it does, but he allows himself to continue going over their goals. Violet speaks up, saying her goal of being friendly and helpful to everyone. Nate keeps looking back at Sawyer and he excuses himself from the group to speak with Sawyer about her goals. He sits next to her and she tells him that finding someone who believes that she doesn't belong in there. He says that she isn't any different from anybody else in there and then whispers that she has to give them she has to give them an in. She doesn't understand but he lets her know that uh he will tell her later. She agrees. Now, I'm going to be, you know, the 
the this guy right now because this is a trope that <laughs> I am always so very very tired of. Now, granted, you guys may have may not notice this trope, but this trope is the good old faithful sacrificial negro. That's right, everybody. This guy did not need to do that. He could have just continued and served his time. He did not need to help her for any reason whatsoever. Um, he could have done his job because that was his first intentions. Um, but he helped his woman out and completely kind of let his entire faith into her and her only. And he's been there for three right. weeks. Could have done that with any other patient. She's been there for five days. And yet he chose to do it for her. Yeah, this is a very tired trope. <laughs> I had the exact same, <laughs> yeah. I had the exact same vibes throughout the. Right. Oh, I did fantastic. grow to really love Nate. Yeah, it's uh, great. Yeah, too, too but great. I, I so, felt the exact same way. It's a tired trope. It needs to die. But I, I digress. Cut to Nate and Sora outside. Him telling her, um, biting to them, bringing up. Uh, biting to them, bringing up uh, suicide is what got her in there. Confused, she mentions that she is fine. She just needed to talk to somebody. He tells her that is why the ADS um, Health Enterprises umbrella exists, Continu- continuing that if the, if you talk, they find a way to keep you there. Staying, uh, staying looked up... Uh, excuse me, I don't know why I wrote it that way. Saying that they looked up... they kind of book her in there until her insurance pays saying that uh, that it that blah 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 saying that as soon as the money is out you're <laughs> cured flabbergasted she is about to say something but nate cuts her off saying that's business saying that this this place is just like any other business them needing to fill beds so they get their own mo- so they get their money he continues about statistics of patients aren't in actual need of psychiatric care her finishing saying they are just like her locking up same people for profit understanding that she is there for seven days because her insurance company approved they are walking in the halls continuing their conversation about this being inhumane but this place is this place not being that bad they have underqualified employees letting her know that if she is friendly with the right people she doesn't have to worry about contraband he tells her to do her time and keep her head down she refers to his pep talk um uh, like it being prison he chuckles saying quote unquote you're welcome continuing saying to not cause any uh, any uh, nonsense don't make enemies and find a community to learn how to live with the routine letting her know that if she has questions to come find him they are all talking standing in in line taking their pills almost sawyer's turn the orderly turns around to mark the chart we can see his id and it is the same person that she hallucinated on date on dennis she turns around to hand her a pill and she freezes then looks down thinking that this is another hallucination while she look, when she looks back up, he's he is still standing in front of her, and she is in denial that he is right there, her stalker. She tells him that she that he can't be anywhere near her, and that and that this won't work. Letting him know that the Boston cop have a, the Boston cops have a record of the restraining order, claiming that he is going to jail. Violet pushes her out of the way to get her set of pills, but Sora continues after she spots his name on this ID, um, reading George Shaw, asking him if that is what he's calling himself. She then yells to everyone in line that his name is actually David Strine, summarizing his stalking motions. Now, this is where the movie takes the wildest of turns. <laughs> oh, for sure. I think, I think Claire Foy does such a fantastic job here because I think we've all encountered people that seem like they may be shouting nonsense. Um, but, you know, you never know. And here Claire is 
I mean, excuse me, Sawyer is very much um, to to what we believe yeah. making sense and uh, rationally reacting. Uh, but to everyone else, right. they're just shooting her off as she's crazy or she's mentally ill, right? And it sucks because, um, at least for me, it makes me reflect back and ask myself, like, did I ever find myself in a situation where I saw someone shoot away um, for you know, being claimed to be mentally ill or were they actually speaking truth and needed help? And it's very well done by Claire Foy because she's doing a performance that we can kind of empathize with, but at the same time, everyone around her in the story probably just thinks she's crazy. Right. Uh, and, and I think it's a really good I balance. I could have said that, that better myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Also, going back to like my conspiracy theory, kind of in the way of how the that whole place is a symbolism of their relationship. In a way, it's kind of like her yeah. screaming for help in that situation Constant in her own head. But in reality, mm. the only person that can help her is herself, and she feels alone and like disconnected yeah. from everyone. Like, no one's listening to her. Yeah. She's crying for help, literally yeah. crying for help. But everyone around her, her friends, her family, the doctors and nurses in there, they right. don't pay attention. So well, it's like, damn. It's really yeah, powerful and it's scene. interesting that you even say that, too, because she also has that context of her keeping things in at the same time, right? So right. it's just, it, it's, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Like, when she does call for help, her mom is like listening and she's ready she's on it she fucking flew from boston immediately down to philadelphia so, so like crazy. she was super on it or pennsylvania and somewhere in pennsylvania i don't know if it was philly or not um bulls tells her to take her meds and move on sawyer tells her no not until the cops haul george slash david into jail bulls ask him if if he did anything to provoke her she comes up behind another patient telling her to stop calling him george adding that he followed her from boston david claims that he has never been to boston Austin, although he is a Sox fan. Fucking wow. The way he played this shit off is fucking wild. <laughs> I sh- yeah. I chuckled. I had, to, I had to give him props for that one. Like, he, like, he played with her doing it right. mindset of thinking that she was insane. Oh, fuck. It was, it, 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 he's a genius villain. Like, he's a really good villain. She yeah. shouts that he is a fucking liar and that she wants her phone because she saved all the text messages that he sent her, asking him if he remembers the really sick things he would say to her, him telling her that he would kill himself because he can't have her. Meanwhile, Violet is mouthing that she is crazy to another patient. David suggests to Bowles that maybe he should uh, go back to another ward and that he's not doing any good here. Sora yells that he isn't fooling anyone, but he corrects her by saying that his name is George. She continues saying that it isn't a hard jo- getting a job. <laughs> job there going over all the things that you don't need she starts yelling that she wants her phone call and she wants to call the cops to get him arrested violet runs over to her trying to shut her mouth as bulls is telling her to uh telling her that phone privileges have been have are being suspended dennis and bulls start pulling her away as she yells that she fucking hates david while uh they are uh taking her back to her bed she is trying to tell them that that she is uh telling the truth um, and that he's the one who's lying. They get, they get her on bed, restraining her to it. Wow. <sighs> and I love this particular shot of this whole interaction because there's a lot of one shots here, right? 
because of what they were using to oh, shoot, sure. shoot this with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're working with um, a lot of space issues, right? Um, but with this particular shot, it makes you feel so uneasy. Like, it kind of makes you feel queasy the way it's shot. But it's, ugh, it's so good, though. God damn it. Nate comes up to her restrained body, telling her that she didn't listen to a word she's, uh, she said, he said, and if she keeps this up, she will spend the rest of her time in the basement. She tells him since he wanted to help her, then help her out um, of this. He holds his hand up and goes back to uh, his bed. Later, Sawyer looks up and hears Nate speaking into a cell phone, talking about this being the biggest story he's ever heard, having evidence finally being able to shut it down. He notices Sawyer is looking at him and he hides the phone saying to whoever um whoever that he uh whoever that is that he's talking on the phone with he will call them back uh somebody had something go ahead i wanted to yeah i wanted to chime in here so earlier when um nate and sawyer were speaking in the in the courtyard right about nate was explaining you know this is what they do they get you on your insurance they keep you just for the money at first, I was like, oh, damn, that makes sense why they would do this, right? And then very quickly, I switched over He's to... He's working with them. Oh, no. Is this Nate's... Oh, no, is this sure. Nate's mental illness? Yeah. It's like oh. conspiracy theories, right? And then when I saw him in bed with the phone, he's like, yeah, I'm racking up the evidence, you know? And then I thought to myself, oh, no. he. I think he's just... Uh, he's all in on conspiracy theories and making up a whole notion of why he's in there. And it made me feel questionable because I'm like, oh, dude, this film is doing such a good job and making me question everything and feeling com- yeah. probably just as confused as a beautiful is, job. right? Um, you don't know if you can trust anyone. Yeah, because he, he starts laying right. out like sources and facts on why this is the truth. But like, again, it's that authority complex. Like you, you're just Sawyer could be believing Nate because mm-hmm. he's speaking with such confidence. Um and I very much didn't know. It was that moment where I saw him on his phone and him being so hush hush. I was I was starting to think like, man, is he right? Or is he is he maybe mentally ill and just really just believing this conspiracy theory? So it's interesting. This is where I think this is where I think this film it's, it's so super impressive. impressive. It's like, I, Even though I, I can't get over how the storytelling yeah, yeah. works in this film. It's ridiculous how it works. <laughs> so, well so well done. done. Yeah. You, you can look at it through so many different lenses and sometimes even multiple at once. Um, so that's because you could go about this as Sawyer being mentally ill or being sane or uh, everyone in there being wrongly in there or everyone in there being correctly placed in there whatever it may be it's it's True. very fascinating next day sora is sitting at her lunch table uh watching nate chatter with jacob he stares at her but then turns his attention back to his food sora gets up but violet uh grabs her uh grabs her claiming that she stole her cigarettes sora pushes her uh, pushes her off of her reminding her that she was restrained last night then hitting her before orderlies grab her dr hawthorne tells her that um she is one incident away of being sent to the basement she tells him that she was sexually assaulted and who does she uh who does she report that to then ask him um what's in the basement he tells her solitary confinement she tells him to send her send her there right now letting him know that her stalker david has gotten a job at this facility he tells her that he 
spoke with George and they did a background check, but she corrects him saying his real name. Sawyer is trying to explain, but Hawthorne cuts her off saying that uh, he is he is going to add um, risperidone and lithium to her uh, meds. And uh, my brother actually was on uh, risperidone for his schizophrenia. Um, and it pretty much just like made him have like oh, damn. really wild nightmares. Like instead of him hallucinating during the day, he would just damn. hallucinate even harder in his dreams. Um, and it would just also make him really hungry. Wow. I remember him eating a lot. <laughs> um, she asked him, now he takes a shot um, once a month, which seems to be a lot better. She asked him, uh, what is that for? He sternly says that, that it is for it is um, from hurting anyone, anyone else and herself. She reminds him that she told him about the predator who followed her from another city and that uh, he should be protecting her. He ignores her, saying, to be continued. Sawyer is walking into the lunchroom with her tray of food. She sits down at at Nate and Jacob's table. Nate quickly leaves. Jacob introduces himself again. Then she gets up and leaves as well. Cut to them waiting for their meds. David apologizing for the incident the other day with Sawyer. Um, She is looking at him with pure hatred. Him telling her that he really hopes the extra drugs help her. She snatches the pills and shoots them back, letting him know that she really, she quote, really hopes something cuts his balls off and stuffs it down his throat. End quote. <laughs> My God, the visuals. Someone starts shouting for someone to not touch them. Everyone turns to look behind them. When Sawyer turns around, David has an address letter to her mother, Angela. Sawyer calls him out, yelling to the orderlies that it is David accusing him from stealing mail from her mom's house. They hold her down while Bol- while Bowles administers a shot into her arm. She is yelling that she isn't fucking crazy. Um, David watches with a slight smirk on his face while she <laughs> pretty much gets taken away. Fade to some patients waiting to leave out. Orderlies Damn. come into the in uh, into the uh, the room to release Sawyer from her restraints. She heads into the lunchroom, noticing that Nate isn't in the room. She finds him outside. He quickly hides his phone into his inner inner coat pocket, um, taking out a cigarette. Sawyer tells Nate um, to let her use his cell phone. He plays dumb until she reminds him about the rules. He chuckles, mocking her credibility. Her asking um, him if. If he wants to take the chance, he tells her um, if she calls the cops again, they will take his they would just take his phone away. She promises that she isn't calling the cops and even adds um, a sexual favor in there for him. He chuckles, whispering in her ear (laughs) that she has five minutes and to not get caught. Cut to the colonial style house phone buzzing. Um, Sawyer's mom, Angela, answers the phone. She lets her mom know that it is her. Angela continues to talk over Sawyer, but um, she finally cuts Angela off that she is um, to let her know that she is in a bit of trouble. Thinking she needs money, Sawyer tells her um, to not panic and tells her that she um, has been involuntarily committed into Highland Creek. She uh, quickly goes over what they did to her um, and then tells her about David in Boston. She continues telling him that he got a job at the hospital and that none of the doctors believe her. She continues telling her mom about things that the staff does to her, drugging her and and tying her to the bed. She lets Angela know that she is there for seven days and and no one is helping her. Her mom gets up from the kitchen table, grabbing her back, asking for the name of the hospital again. Sawyer tells her the name um, and the highway it is off of. She quickly tells her um, that she has to go and hangs up the phone. She hands the phone back to Nate, giving him a rain check on the sexual favor with a smile, him chuckling back at her. Now, (laughs) this moment is like pivotal, right? Now we're just like, okay. Oh, for sure. We're halfway through the film. Mom's coming. All is saved. But 
and you think like, yep. oh, this is it. You know, she's going to be able to talk her way oh, out sure. of it, right? She's going to be able to get out of there, and maybe we're going to see her and David go on the run. But it doesn't work, and it's fucking beautiful, right? It's fucking it's so beautiful. good. <laughs> I mean, the entire movie sets up a great tension built ride at Dude. this point of like, oh man, every freaking scenario, every single uh, sequence that she's involved in, it's like damn, they're going to think you're crazier. Now they're going to think you're even more, like, crazy. It's like, it's going to get worse for you. And then the phone call happens, and you have that right. sense of hope again. And then oh, they take it away from you the again. The way like, they take it away. It's like, damn. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's so good. Fuck, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Angela's at the hospital demanding to see her daughter yelling at Dolores. And Dolores is scared. She's just like, oh, my God. This right. Karen is crazy. She is speaking to Dr. Hawthorne about <laughs> Sawyer, not knowing what she was signing, asking him for her to be released immediately. He suggests that this is the best place for her. She begs to differ since she is there uh, with her stalker. Pulling out her phone, turning on an audio recorder, asking him to repeat that. He tells her to speak to their administrator. Um, the administrator, Ashley, tells her that Highland Creek is an ethical org. Um, she continues telling her that uh, it was the decision from Sawyer seeing a psychiatrist. Angela bluntly asks her if, if they are going to release her. Uh, release Sawyer, excuse me. Ashley mentions that she is free to leave when she shows that she isn't going to cause harm to herself or others. Angela says that Angela says that she does that she doesn't, claiming that they made her think that she she does by claiming that she was suicidal for insurance money. Ashley tells her to to focus on the positive work from Highland Creek. She goes over their accolades after that, but Angela doesn't care and threatens that she is going to call a lawyer. Ashley shares that she has a right to do so, as do they. Um, she goes over, she goes over this not being in the best interest for Sawyer, commenting that Sawyer's career can be affected by this decision. She could, she questions if she is willing to do that uh, to her daughter. Angela asks if she can at least see her to make sure she is okay. Ashley says with a fake smile that she, uh, can see, that she could see her even though they are after visiting hours, but she can give her 20 minutes. Okay, trying to make it seem like we're a good facility here. See, we're giving you 20 minutes right. with your daughter, even though you're here after visiting hours. Super cool. Like. Yeah, very cool. Oh, to, for sure. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's uh, No, I was just about to say, it's, it's a very scary reality of how you thought about, like, in the beginning when Nate's talking about, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a total oh, business. Yeah. And then the conversation that they have with the mom is like, they had a rebuttal for everything she they, said. they've probably it's gotten like, this oh, before, don't you? right? Like, they they oh, they sure. know what they're Absolutely. doing. They've been in this scenario, and it's scary how quick like on their feet they are about it. And they were kind of like putting it yeah. on her. It's like, don't you want to be the good mom of like saving your daughter and stuff like that? Right. Like putting the blame on her in a way. It's like we're doing it to protect her. You're trying to trying take to, her out of trying it. Trying to like, have her oh, see man, like see it from their perspective. Like, no, your daughter's actually crazy, right. kind of thing. And which is very right. very telling because this happens a lot for parents and their children. Right. Where you'll probably right. hear from a teacher or something like that. And you want to trust a teacher. But at the same time, you're in that in that mindset of like, well, I live with my kid all the time. Like, I know my kid. I know my kid doesn't have ADHD or whatever. When you're technically not a professional right. on diagnosing your child. But a lot of that happens. Right. Like a lot of a lot of that goes on. I mean, What's really sad here is that this administrator is prepared oh, yeah. to use fear tactics, right? Saying phrases like, you don't want to ruin yeah. your daughter's future, right. do you? Or even using um, power 
to kind of scare her off. Like, if you we want got to get ours too. involved, that's fine, but we'll get ours. Yeah, and clearly it's one woman versus like yeah. a, a giant company. So yeah. you can only imagine yeah, who is going to win. Cut to Sora coming out to see her mom. Angela walks up to hug her. Angela sighs that this is uh, what it takes to get her to call her for help. They sit down, Sora apologizing that she didn't tell her about David and the real reasons why she moved away. Angela asks if she is there, if he is there, um, but he works the night shift. And it's fucking wild how he knows how to keep a low profile. Right? Like he, he knows like, yeah. like I, he knows not to come during a visiting hour setting wild she assures sawyer that she is going to get get her out no matter what but i mean we we find out the real reason why he didn't do the night shift soon but yeah she asks her how she is um otherwise commenting that she looks tired sawyer tells her that she is more than tired she is scared she comments about her clothes but then switches it back to uh reassuring her that she is going to get her out she tells sawyer to tell her the truth and no more walls adding that she has been building walls since her dad's death Sora cuts her off, looking down at her mom's wedding ring, sharing that it was it uh, that was hard, but this is different. Angela compliments her being tough, but remember reminds her um, that she is her mother and to allow her to help her. They get up from the table, embrace with a hug. Angela asking how can she, how can she reach her? She tells her that she can contact her from Nate's phone. And I don't know why she said that shit so loud. I was just like, damn, like you don't think they're listening right, to you, right? I thought that, well. Yeah, I thought the same thing, right. but she's probably like, I'm in the clear, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, she doesn't, care. She doesn't give a shit about anybody you know, else except like for herself. Earlier, she's, not, yeah. she's not the greatest <sighs> person, exactly. She's not a nice person. <laughs> she no, she's asks terrible. Angela where she's she is not. staying. She tells her two minutes up the road at the motel, at the at a motel, and adds that she will mobilize the troops. Be back in a couple of hours with fresh clothes, with an army of cops and lawyers. Cut to Angela speaking to the two cops, Steve and his partner. They are apologizing that there isn't anything they can do without proof of a crime. Steve looks at his partner for confirmation, and he and he just apologizes. She is driving, speaking on the phone with her with her lawyer. Um, he tells her that Pennsylvania. State uh, state law mandates that a patient can only be held on involuntary commitment for seven days without a court order. He continues telling her that they are going to uh, go through the ha- through the hassle as long as the insurance stops paying. Um, adding if adding that it is inconvenient, so- something should be should be done to stop it, and and that it is priority to get Sawyer back to in her care. He ends by telling her to keep keep him in the loop, and if there are legal causes, he will be right on it. And then he just hangs up on her. <laughs> Fuck. Can't can't believe it. Like it sounded so like it was crazy. a voicemail. Again. Like, <laughs> I think, yeah, it did. But again, I think this is kind of what I spoke on earlier. It's a reflection of just how people in their in their careers or their jobs and their role, they kind of just don't really have the sense of yeah. uh good or work empathy. ethic anymore. And I feel like this film keeps right. Yeah, I think that's the big one right there. Yeah. Uh, this this film keeps Back with Sawyer, walking through the line for her pills, seeing David asking him what is he doing here, he greets her saying that he picked up an extra shift. He puts an extra pill from his pocket into her set of pills. She takes them and swallows them, him waiting for her to show show him um, that she swallowed them. I wouldn't have accepted a fucking thing from him. I would have Fake, fake like I was taking right. those pills all along. Yeah. She heads back into the ward and she is yeah. uh, fucking spiraling out of control at this point. Like she, she is, it's wild. Running into mm-hmm. things, repeating that she can't f- uh, find her crowns, and this is just wild. 
like she it's like the the screen is disoriented she's disoriented right. it, it's this is insane the orderly tries to calm her down and they go to they go to take her cut to angela in her motel smoking maintenance um quote unquote knocking on the door she quickly puts her cigarette out looks through the peephole letting him know that she didn't call he tells her that they're checking all the ac units adding that there uh, was a fault in the wiring in the other room she unlocks the door and allows him to come inside and it is david commenting that um this will only take a minute back in the facility one of the orderlies mentions that Sawyer had um had a mega dose of a methamphetamine instead of her other pills. Real quick, I wanted to mention the thing about her mom mm. answering the door for this man. Right. That's why we see him not taking that shift. Right? Like he he wanted to take an earlier shift yeah. so he can do this. So he wasn't only stalking Sawyer. He was stalking he's literally stalking every aspect of Sawyer. I wouldn't be surprised if oh, for he sure. was there at the uh bar when Sawyer went on that date with Mark like I, I you know I I feel like it's insinuated um because of the right. camera shots that we use but you going back to the conversation we had earlier I had asked Freddie Freddie when um her and Mark were kissing and she collapsed to the floor as if she got hit and he just left and she let her let him leave you know what other thought I had what I thought what if this is a nightly thing for her to go home? She gets a date, mm. a man, to go home for security, finds some way to um, get him to leave, and she usually entices them to come over like, oh, you're going to get to have sex with me, and then finds some way to make them leave just so she can feel safe, that she isn't followed Shit. and he barges in. Uh, I mean, like, I could totally see thought. that. That kind of makes sense. It's a great thought. Yeah. yeah. And I also think... It's her experimenting of getting back That's, out there I think and so meeting too. new people as yeah. well. But I think it's a it's a safety thing for sure, I think. And it's also her trying to get back to a normal love life if she can. Yeah. Or have that intimate totally. connection with someone. And every time she tries, she just can't yeah. go through with it because of the mental break or the mental wall that she created for herself as a... Yeah. defense mechanism because like you guys were saying too even with her boss she was able to manipulate the conversation to get out of the situation that her boss wanted her to be a mm -hmm. part of and i feel like she's trained yeah. for this now but she's yeah. still overcoming a lot of stuff that makes that's a really good point yeah that's a really good thought uh, the woman comments that she isn't sure how it happens, while the man blames it on being overworked, asking if she is okay, and the woman says that she is better now, but it can't happen again, telling him to double-check the meds on Hawthorne's list for all the patients. The camera slowly pans around the corner. Bose is speaking with David about this, continuing to let him know that they could lose their jobs if this happens again. He tells her that he won't let, let her down, commenting that this job means the world to him. She tells him that she knows and compliments him on compliments him as he continues to put um, put all of the pills in their des designated cups. Cut to Nate checking on Sora lying down on her bed joking that she broke the TV. She moans that she didn't mean to, adding that she loves TV. <laughs> she agrees that she uh, must be insane, but he <laughs> assures her that she isn't. Um, and, and he knows the difference between people who are the people who are supposed to be there from the people who end up there joking that she is in both columns she scoffs groaning that she feels like she belongs in in column one he tells her that she didn't think think so yesterday asking her what changed she ignores the question asking him if he 
asking him what he wanted to be when when he was a kid. And I love how she's starting to kind of self doubt herself now, um, where she's just like, right. maybe I am yeah. crazy because I've never done something like that before, kind of thing. So super fascinating. I mean, also she didn't know exactly. That she's she's drugs, thinking she's right? taking all these drugs as per yeah. normal. And they're not telling her like, "Hey, we gave you the wrong du- the wrong drug on accident. Sorry about that." <laughs> I mean, because they can't, right? Because that's a sign of abuse. So he laughs that he wanted exactly. to be an astronaut and it didn't work out. She um, says there's still time. Is it? Nate jokes about this, asking about um, jokes about this, asking asking what about her. She tells him that it is too late for her, saying that she was going to be this renegade medical student. She mentions that she didn't have any drive or motivation for it, adding that she couldn't even make make it to pre med. Uh, follow your dreams, y'all. The Sawyer mentions that she volunteered for hospice, letting him know that um, that's where she actually met David. We jump to a flashback of her reading to David's dad, who was a patient. David is on the side watching her. She tells Nate that he was nice, quiet, and uncomfortable, adding that she felt bad because his father his father couldn't even recognize him. Letting Nate know that her father died when she was 15 and that nobody saw it coming. While, while she is talking, they are at the funeral of David's father and he grabs Sawyer's hand. She is shocked and uncomfortable from the touch, but she allows it. She mentions to Nate that he ha- um, had his own fantasies. David telling her that his dad wanted them to be together. Sawyer is in her office receiving a letter from David saying, quote, You are always on my mind. I love you always and forever. Kisses, 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 David, end quote. It was a lot of X's there. Her, oh, go ahead. Yeah. And I just wanted to add in, I think she, looking at Sawyer here, you can see this is before she kind of learned how to have a wall up to protect herself against unwanted attention. But I think she, she finds herself in a place where a lot of women may find themselves when they have unwanted attention from someone trying to pursue something romantic, you kind of freeze up. Right. And you don't know what to do. Um, And this does that without exposition. It just shows you through imagery. Her coworkers stand around her gossiping about the flowers that she just received. She is checking her text messages. She has multiple text messages from David telling her that she that he loves her, asking her to call or text him. She looks at his contact card, looking to see if she should block him. The next morning, she is getting ready for the uh, for the day in the bathroom. When she comes back into her room, there's a blue dress waiting for her on the bed. The same thing that he says in the beginning of the movie. I love to see you with right. Her. Yeah, nervous and confused, Very she looks creepy. around her apartment. Cut to Sawyer going to the courthouse, getting a restraining order. A detective is recommending all of these things to change um, to keep herself safe. <laughs> Shout out to Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, it was out of so nowhere, out of the blue, just like around. what? <laughs> and I was like, okay, now I know where the oh, budget yeah, went yeah, to get yeah, him for this scene. For, for, uh, Thirty <laughs> seconds of of a roll, um, but this is. Uh, like what you want 1.4 million dollars don't worry it's yours we just need a hundred thousand to make this film yeah Uh, it's all yours but this whole thing just shows you how terrifying it is to be a woman right oh for sure i i don't know how this feels right and i'm sure we all don't know how this feels but i i could say that i fear for my wife when she's 
by herself of like if a guy checks her out or something or maybe there's some guy following her around in the grocery store right i don't that's never happened thank god but um although actually no that has happened once but um she i can only imagine how it feels to like not want to drive at night or not want to be alone in a store at night or 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 work late or something like that um because you think about those kind of things like those 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 things oh, for those sure. things are yeah. fucking scary and it, you see this in like films like maniac or um uh when a when a stranger calls or something like that and you see all these women being um, or in you that that TV show you that's on Netflix like you you see how scary it is and typically we usually get it from the perspective of the woman and I feel like that show you puts a pretty interesting perspective on being with the stalker 24 7 and it's it's just it's fucking fascinating fucking fascinating so scary. yeah I want to I want to add in it's 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 disturbing and it's disheartening yeah. that you know, women have to go through this and, you know, anyone could be stalked, but I think it's a really huge issue that yeah. mainly women do have Scary. to go through and experience. And I've seen the implications of people that have to suffer or deal with the behavior of men um, because of this wrong behavior. But not only that, you see scenarios like you mentioned, Prince, where there are some women that are afraid to drive at right. night or afraid to go to the store in the evening and our world shouldn't be that it's just so disheartening and um this scene in this film i think is one of the most important ones because while these explanations are being fed to sawyer about what you should do to be safe um they show the limitations on her life that she can't truly live that she's she's kind of caged and not only that but he even slides a book over to her and and says this this book's going to be your best friend and the it says gift of fear live with fear right right the gift of fear yeah um and it's just very it very sad yeah cuz it's real telling her to change her doors not parking in her designated parking spot purchasing a gun changing her routine etc cetera, etc cetera. he asks her if she has any social media accounts she tells the detective that she is on facebook but her account is private he tells her that isn't good because he can be able to figure out who one of her friends are create a bogus account trying to be her friend that way suggesting that her friends know her email and that um um, and that should be enough and to delete the Facebook. He then tells her to talk to her friends up and not to tag her on Facebook and to not take any photos with your friends. Lastly, he then hands her the book, The Gift of Fear. We cut back to Sawyer telling Nate the story saying that David is now there or maybe it's all in her head. Nate chuckles, embracing her with a side hug, telling her that she is in the second column for life. They are, they are taking pills. David apologizing for her rough day. She takes her pills. He tells her sweet dreams as she tells him to drop dead while walking away he lies down on her bed spitting out the pills that were given to her and um, placing them underneath her pillow reaching underneath it she pulls out her mother's ring she goes up to nate and he it's fucking crazy because he fucking knew that she was going to probably do that now right like like he knows what he's doing yeah he set that whole thing up of giving her this pill not for her to seem like she's crazy but for her to not take his pills anymore so he could start placing things under her pillow <laughs> fucking insane insane it's crazy i love i gotta yeah. say i love the comment oh, yeah. of her just yeah, saying drop dead. she said it so much, oh, like, sure. like with so much 
perfect delivery. The delivery was great. She goes up to Nate asking for yeah. his phone. He shushes her um, to keep her voice down and, and grabs his phone, hastily uh, going into the bathroom to use it. Sawyer is on the phone asking for her mom's room. She gets the voicemail telling her mom to um, that she left a message on her cell phone and to call her back as soon as possible. She comes back up to Nate, handing him the phone back, then signing a 2-4 to each, uh, to each other. Um, and I love how you can slightly see David looking through the blinds behind them there. Fucking creepy. Oh, so as creepy. Yeah, that was so creepy. So affected. So, so effective. Well so effective. Yeah. 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 You start At that point in time, that's when I was just like, fuck the fuck this trope <laughs> david yeah, is speaking right. through the blinds at them wide-eyed uh nate is smoking a cigarette while t- um talking to someone to check on check on something for him cut to Sora looking for nate she finds him asking if he got any, any if she got any calls he tells her that he hasn't received anything she tells them that her mom didn't pick up and she and when she called for when she called her saying that mom's called back he reminds her that she is on day five and to focus on almost being done with this place promising her that her mom will be standing right there waiting for her um and i love how oddly compatible they are it's just like they they're so, they're so cute she asks yeah. him how much longer does he have in there he tells her that the opioid withdrawal program is a four week project letting her know that he has one week left of getting out um a few days after her she is about to suggest something but he shakes his um but he shakes um his head no telling her that um it is completely different when you when you're on the outside joking that he will uh he will be useless to her because she will um have her own phone again and generally he's saying no because like he lied right like he he doesn't want to tell her the real reason why he's there and stuff like that yeah. even though she probably would have understood she tells him that um he's he's been a good friend and she wants to return the favor they start joking around a bit meanwhile david is watching their interaction through the window cut to nate in the bathroom stall on his phone someone comes into the bathroom and he puts his phone away to wait and listen he flushes the toilet goes to wash his hands while david is acting like he is using the bathroom david walks over and smacks his head into the wall knocking him out Nate is bound to a wheelchair, uh, David telling him no phones, personal relationships while set, uh, setting up a defibrillator. Nate is shaking um, to get out of the chair, but David places it on his head, electrocuting him. Cut to Sawyer uh, getting something to drink, Violet coming up uh, to her, insulting her uh, for Nate not showing up to the group. Sh- uh, Sawyer throws hot coffee in her face and starts attacking her. <laughs> like Violet, stop messing so with this girl. They t- they take them both right. to their room. Violet yelling um, that she started it, and they are both forced to lie down on their beds. Sawyer checks underneath her pillow, and her phone is there. And her phone is there with a message from Nate that says, "Open me." She opens it, and it is Nate beaten in a chair. Sawyer jumps out, yelling to the orderlies to check the check the phone, but they hold her down. David administering the shot into her neck. Um. Uh, I don't know what I wrote there. Um, David goes back downstairs, injecting opioids into Nate's arms, um, arm, cleaning and and cleaning up, leaving him there. Sawyer wakes up in a padded room. Um, she runs to the door, banging on it uh, for her to banging on it for them to let her out. Bowles is quickly walking through the halls towards David, telling him that Nate was discovered dead in the old ECT room. He acts caring about it. Bowles telling him not to mention it around any of the patients. Why this trope? Why? It's just, right. It's so I know, dude. It, it really upset me. He didn't have to die. It, yeah, it is. She did not have to die. Yeah, I at know. All. But 
Damn, oh, I was horrible. so like disheartened Sucked. when this Sucked. happened in the film. Yeah, I was Sucked. like, "Come on, man!" It did deliver especially the with impact, a, at least. It, it did deliver an impact, sure. but especially with the concept of like you know he was three weeks in out of four and all that. It and just like you mentioned earlier, Prince, like he did not have. But to he had her. to be the magical um, Negro but, for this one. <laughs> Surprise, I'm here. David comes inside the room with Sora, letting her know that he isn't going to hurt her and he just wants her to be with her. She looks at the camera above. He tells her that he disconnected them. Sora asks if he is going to kill her, but he tells her that he loves her instead. She asks if he killed Nate. He says that he chose he chose what happened to him, just like um, he chooses uh, to protect her from anyone and all threats. Um she asks about her mom with tears. He claims that Angela is like family to him. She asks him how did he get her ring, he, him claiming that she gave it to him. She yells that he's lying, letting him know that she told her that she told her mom about him and what he is, letting him know that, that she came from Boston for her. He starts crawling towards her, saying that he did too. She quickly moves away from him, asking him what did he do to her. He stutters that they talked sharing their feelings, claiming that they shared how they met and she wanted to, she wanted them to have the, her ring. He shares that the ring um, can be special to them as it is as it is as it was to Angela and Mike. Sora gets up yelling to never say their name while running to the door, screaming and banging for someone to help her. David comes up behind her, saying that he has a cabin in, in the woods in New Hampshire. He is trying to talk uh, talk it up to her, claiming that they will be happy while she moves away from him around the room. She screams that he could never make her happy, telling him to look at what he's done, letting him know that there isn't a path to happiness here for either of them he he tells her that he uh he had he had he's seen her um and she isn't happy floating through life he tells her that there is a piece missing him being the piece she tells him that, um that she hates him not knowing a single thing about her David asks her um, how can she say that when they spent months together. She reminds him that he was in the same room while she talked to his father because he didn't have anything to say to him. He mentions that his father didn't know who he was, um, but she reminds him that he, is his, he was his father and he couldn't even say two words to him, letting him know that he's not capable to love anyone. She moves closer to him, asking him if he would be uh, proud with him. Um, he whispers to, for her to stop. She sarcastically says, it's, is it too mean? Not the girl he loves. Then she shouts that she doesn't fucking know him or that he doesn't fucking know her. Um, he tells her that uh, he does. And she starts telling him to love her like this, um, going over a list of things. And she like goes over a whole bunch of lists of like negative things about herself towards him. David right. says that's not her, just her trying to make herself act like other people. She calls him simple and dunce and, th and that she is not that, su that sweet girl in his head. She asks him who rejected him while continuing the uh, degrading questions. He tells her to stop while trying to look away, but she steps in his line of sight, continuing her questions, telling him that she is the one that did all those things to him and that he, who he loves, asking him, if, is she everything he hoped she'd be? Claiming that his two years were a mere waste and that uh, he could have met someone else in that time. While she is breaking this man down, he begins to sob while saying that he loves her. He starts to shake and um, then he chokes her. He, she tells him to do it, but he yells and drops her to the ground, moving to the corner, whimpering, uh, whimpering. Sawyer saying that she um, sees how she uh, loves. She sees how she loves her now. He stammers while leaving out of the room. What a fucking scene, dude. 
Yeah. Yeah. Claire Foy. This is um, as close as you can get to maybe an Oscar performance, to be honest. Because she had a lot oh. of range in this and a lot of emotion coming out of her. Yeah. And I was actually really shocked tra- about this scene. It transitions Perfect. so fluidly, too. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not obvious Perfect. that there's a shift in emotion. Um, the delivery. Yeah. Call, uh, mm. Yeah, I gotta say, yeah. I love when she's like, "Just fucking do it." When he's choking her, like, dude, she's she's like, she's in it's, it. This yeah. is yeah. yeah, she's like, "Fucking do it, just end Seriously. my misery." I'm like, "Damn, that's powerful." Cut to the orderlies cleaning out Nate's locker while another tells uh, tells him to uh, check out these these notes. It is the notes that he was taking about all the bullshit that happens in this place. One of the claims um, that they should show that they should show second floor and starts making his way up. He uh, we jump to the lady running with her dog to a lady running with her dog, but the dog goes up to an exposed hand in a shallow grave. Cut to forensics pulling out the body from the ground as a woman inaudibly speaks to the cops. In the morgue, Steve and his partner are audibly speaking to the coroner about the two bodies, um, one of them being Nate. Cut to the orderly showing um, Ashley the note, telling him that he did the right thing, um, bringing it up to her. Back with Sora lying on the ground, David coming into the room with food, handing it to her, saying her order while claiming it to be her favorite because she ate it at her desk every morning. She cl- uh, says that um, him telling telling her that killed her appetite. <laughs> he sits down next to her. She pulls out the food and starts consuming it while talk- while looking at him. She tells him thanks, her telling him that um, she isn't used to people being this considerate. Him claiming that he knows everything about her, naming her favorite things back to her. He continues, but uh, she tells him enough, agreeing that he does know her. She tells him that she can't, she can't, excuse me, she tells him that he can't keep her down here indefinitely and that people are going to be looking for her. He tells her that she can call her, call her mom from the cabin and says that she didn't like that, she didn't like that job. She asks him, um, how are they going to live? He tells her about this old diner that he saw for sale by the cabin, thinking they can renovate it. She asks, how is he going to explain his, her absence from her, from the ward, telling her that he, um, that he changed her duration and they think that she's already gone. Fuck. He points that there is a back door that leads out to the woods and they can go right now. She asks him if she, uh, what if she says no and they can, and, and they can start over. Um, to get to know each other. He smiles, saying he will lose her and that she knows that. He claims that she would go back to her old life and, um, and he doesn't fit there, but he only belongs with her. She sighs and she, hesit- she hesitates to tell him something. He tells her that she uh, can say anything, anything to him. She asks him if he's, uh, if he's been with anybody else beyond her. He looks confused but silent. Sawyer tells tells him that she might be, she might not be uh be what she what he wants, claiming that he doesn't have anything to compare her to. David tells her that doesn't make sense to him, but she tells him that she needs him to she needs him to see what he's been missing to see if she if she is what he truly wants. She tells him that she might be his last, but she can't be his first. He repeatedly tells her no, and she tells him um he would uh he would if he loved her telling him that he's that he says the right things but um that isn't love it is giving yourself over to what someone else wants even if it's against their your beliefs telling him um to prove his love for her he asks how does he prove it she tells him to bring him bring someone else down here uh with them telling him to uh, have sex with someone in front of her he starts to cry telling um telling her to telling her that he can't do that she lets him know that it isn't much to ask um since he's planned their f- entire future he asks um if it has to be a random patient she quickly suggests violet <sighs> what a 
fucking so plan messed up. this woman has. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I was able to catch catch on really yep. quickly because I was like, yep. oh, the so, shank. Right then and there, yeah. that was, I was in the same boat yeah. where I was just like, okay, she wants her shank. She wants she wants the the to be able to defend herself. Yeah. Um, which it's smart. Sure. But yet now she's putting another woman in danger. So still a fucking asshole. Yeah, which is a big no. Oh, for no. sure. I mean, she, of course, she picked out the one that has been giving her problems, right? But uh, I mean, at Violet, the same time, she's just in Violet this mindset really, of like... She's um, giving her problems, but at the same time, Violet was just... Violet's actually sick. Like, Violet actually needs to be there, right? Like, it's, right. Wow. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't I, I don't condone it, she, but she she's clearly... Sawyer's clearly in a place where it's like, she needs to survive, right. and she's going to do what it takes to survive. Not of course. So. I think it's an, it's I mean, the hard part. It's a risk. It's a huge risk. Sawyer was always mean to Violet. I think Violet was just counting, uh, counteracting oh, yeah. with her the entire yeah. movie. It's like, what do you mean? You're the one that like downgraded her. You're the one that, like always talked down to her. True. And it's a good point. It, it the the whole entire feud of their relationship started because right. of Sawyer, and now she's putting her into like a very dangerous situation for her own yeah. gain. And I was like, damn, uh, this is shady. But I want to see how this turns out. So I was like, I guess I'm a shady person for wanting <laughs> to watch this happen too. But I mean, it's a movie for, for uh, us, man. Right? Poor Violet. So, so we got to talk about it. <laughs> Guts him giving them the, their daily dosage of pills when he hands it to Violet she takes her um, uh, showing him that she swallowed um, he, uh, he goes into her room waking her up telling her to come with him she is confused but he tells her that they need to do some paperwork and starts taking her to, a, to another room back with the cops Steve handing his partner the prints of, of their John Doe saying that it was from George Shaw David is t- uh, t- uh, taking Violet into the room with Sawyer Violet asking what is she doing there um, she tells Violet to never mind her um, and looks at David telling him that she is imp- impressed Violet asks what's going on and Sawyer tells him to do it to do it and show her. David takes his glasses off and grabs Violet, slamming her to the ground as Violet screams. He grabs her, and Sawyer tells him to stop, and she goes on top of uh, and and she goes on top of her, calming her down. She tells Violet that um that they all get lonely, claiming that she doesn't think she wants her to hate her, but notice her. She starts to kiss Violet, calling over David, moving her hand down Violet's shirt, grabbing the uh, grabbing Violet's shank. David gets close enough, and she stabs him in the neck. Him screaming from the pain, Violet is screaming to let her out, but Sawyer grabs the keys, moving her out of the way, pushing Violet back down to the ground towards David. David grabs her, and he snaps Violet's neck while while she watches. She begins to run down the halls, searching Ugh. for a way out. This shit is fucking cold, dog. <laughs> Cold. So mad. She eventually oh, finds her way it. outside the facility, jogging towards the silo to hide behind to catch her breath. Sora looks at the door and doesn't see anyone come out. She moves back and David hits her in the head with a pipe. She wakes up inside of her trunk, the camera in night vision. Fucking well done. Well done with that camera work. David is driving the car. She is opening a it bag and, and gags at the smell, but she continues to open it. It is her mother. And she feels around until she finds something that um, can that she can f- um, physically recognize. Sora starts to scream. Um, David saying, "Quote unquote, hi, mom." Wow, how morbid! So dark. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's done. He's, he's just like you're mine, no matter what. Now, she is able to open the trunk of the car yeah. and jumps out of it, running into the woods. Cut to Bowles uh, waking up to the to a from a message on her phone. She turns on the news and it is talking about Nate. 
being sent there to follow up on rumors about the hospital committing um, patients against their will. The woman saying that she didn't think this was this would be his last story for him. The reporter saying that Highland Creek is denying the allegations from his story. David is trying to find Sora in the woods. The cops pull up at, uh, pull up to the hospital as Ashley is speaking to reporters about her facility. The cops um, come in after handing handing her a warrant to check the premises. Her continuing her mantra. So, uh, Sawyer is continuing to uh, run through the woods, falling but catching herself on a branch. Her, um, she holds her ankle and she runs. She runs up to her. Um, excuse me. She holds her ankle and he runs up to her, saying, "No more running and lying." Smashing her ankle with a hammer, straight up misery style. The cops mm. uh, find the body of Violet. Mm. Um, David places Sora down on the ground, hammer in hand, whispering that she looks so beautiful. Him saying that he feels like uh, he is looking at her, looking at the real her, just like how she was in the hospice. He goes on about about uh, what he wanted to say to her, but he froze, saying that he uh, saying that it will be different for them. He takes off his glasses, moving her limbs, saying that she will learn to love him from a year or two from now. He lies down next to her, hoping that he can start a family of their own saying that um she will make an amazing mother fucking sicko while he is lying while he's lying to, to her she grabs excuse me while he is lying next to her she grabs her mother's necklace stabbing it in his eye she gets on top of him slicing his throat watching him bleed out on top of on while she is on top of him this is so satisfying <laughs> so satisfying oh, for sure. yep. huge i have to agree with you it is it's fucked up to say, but yes. More cops come into the come in to search the facility. Ashley watching them. A detective asking for the keys to her desk. She finds Nate's notes, and they book her ass. Fade to six months later. Sawyer eating with a coworker, Jill. Um, not un and not under. Excuse me, not under. Blah 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 blah. I messed that up. Um, uh, she doesn't understand why she still eats. Um, eats there with her big with her big promotion that she has. She tells Jill that she invited her here to fire her. Jill calls her an asshole, knowing that she's joking. Sawyer so agreeing, um, telling her that she is paying for lunch though. Jill um scoffs, telling her that she lo- loves to play power games. She tells her no. She just loves being the boss of her. She drops her smile when she notices David across the room as he is telling the man about someone being a beautiful being beautiful. Kind. She grabs the knife that is on the table, walks over to him, and is about to stab him, but she realizes that it is not him. Uh, the flashes of David also here are just fucking fantastic. Like, ah. Oh. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. this is such a great wrap up because yes. it kind of shows how traumatic this whole. This whole scenario was not only with the facility, but with the whole stalking and everything. It's something that's going to stick with you. And like, even though he's dead, and he's forever going to just stalk her mind. And that's the most fucked up part. Exactly. Because because she has his expectation. Uh, Of course he escaped. And of course he found his way back. But it's just her mind playing with her. And she comes to realization of that. It just becomes... Oh, she runs out of the restaurant oh. looking back then credits fuck i hated that not a fan of the freeze. i yeah. did not like the freeze frame as well yeah. that, that was very very cheesy but hey whatever but i got some movie facts for us here movie wow. facts it's nice facts. you both say it again now, I know you guys are probably right. wondering, <laughs> we constantly were saying it, what the fuck was this movie filmed mm-hmm. with? 
This movie was entirely shot on an iPhone 7 Plus in 4K using the app Filmic Pro. That's right. So insane. So insane. Awesome. I love that. And everyone everyone was yeah. fascinated. I mean, by it was it was kind of uh-huh. shocking. Like it was so shocking that like this whole movie was produced with this iPhone, pretty much. It's insane. Right. Yeah. And that's the big thing I was yeah. saying. It's like this is a very important film for especially creatives that want to do filmmaking and make their own movies. You have the tools to do so. You don't need all the expensive cameras. You can get the job done with just the minimal stuff that yeah. you have. Absolutely. With you, so. Yeah. Um, the totally. film was entirely shot in 10 days. Damn. <laughs> yep. Wow. To get the dolly shots in the film, Steven Soderbergh would hold the iPhone on a DJI gimbal while sitting in a wheelchair, and the crew members pushed him around. (laughs) All of the hospital scenes were filmed in Pomona, New York, at the Summit Park Hospital that recently closed. During the scene where Nate leads a group to discussion on the common room, Steven Soderbergh's film, Full Frontal, is playing on the TV in the background. Pretty cool. Uh, oh, that's cool. Juno <laughs> Temple six. plays the character named Violet, which is actually her real middle name. Nice. Probably. Wow. I wonder if that was intentional. Uh, last one here. When Nate says to Sawyer he does a decent impression of a good person, it may be, it's maybe an inside joke. Jay Farrow, who plays Nate, is actually famous for his expert impressions. Which he is. He's actually very <laughs> hilarious. He's funny as hell. Uh, but, yeah. Wow, what a fucking movie, y'all. This movie's absolutely insane. What a movie. Crazy. But we want to know what you think over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod and at goodnightlife. And those are both with a K. That's right, everybody. We officially have our own Twitter. Finally, we've heard your feedback. We took your feedback and we accepted it. So, yeah, we made a Twitter. Um, a nightlight <laughs> underscore pod is our official Twitter for the podcast. So you can reach out to us there. Um, we are more than happy to keep that conversation going. That will be in the um, uh, the show notes as well. So just in case if you forget, it'll be there. Don't worry. But, um, yeah, this movie's a fucking ride, yo. But continuing this week off, or this uh, month off, excuse me, we are going to continue things going with Ready or Not, which I'm so excited oh. to talk about. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my all-time God, favorites. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me, we had Freddy. Spook Nation. Also known as Nighty Nights. And on the other end there, we had David. Staying spooky, Stay always spooky, everyone. Also known as Nightly. Our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can support the show over on patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's night with a what... Hey. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday and ad-free. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight. <laughs>